You are listening to the Practical Islamic Finance Podcast. We hope you find it useful and fun. Anything you hear in this podcast is not to be understood as personalized financial or investment advice and only represents the views of the speaker. Investing entails risk, including loss of principal. Be sure to do your own due diligence before making any investment decisions. Some of the episodes of the podcast are audio versions of corresponding Practical Islamic Finance YouTube videos. If you want to watch the video version of the podcast, simply go to the Practical Islamic Finance YouTube channel. Now, without further ado, Bismillah, let's get started. My crypto investment strategy is based on three pillars. I'm going to share with you what these pillars are. And at the end of this video, I'm going to share with you the two names that are the backbone of my crypto investment portfolio. By the way, if you'd like to follow my crypto and stock investments move for move, consider becoming a PIF member. Back to my crypto investing strategy, it is based on three pillars. Pillar number one is that smart contracts are mostly dumb. The entire idea of smart contracts is that they disintermediate third parties and make transacting less expensive. Needless to say, this idea did not pan out in reality. As it relates to disintermediation, which is just a fancy word for peer-to-peer, why the heck would I want to transact with someone directly without any third-party intermediary able to resolve disputes, fix errors, and provide recourse when needed? Why would I ever want to transact with so much pressure to get everything right as if I was dealing with nuclear waste when I just wanted a car ride or something? If I'm dealing with a stranger in a foreign country and I'm looking to rent a house, for example, it would be completely asinine of me to transact directly with the property owner with no third-party company like Airbnb or something similar to vet this person that I'm dealing with and provide assistance when needed. After my recent experience using Airbnb, which I described in an earlier video, wherein this company was able to remedy a bad situation, I don't ever see myself using a peer-to-peer service with no intermediary. And the same logic holds if I need a car ride or want to buy a house or exchange an item. These are all use cases where I've heard people arguing for the merits of smart contracts, but have never actually witnessed anyone anywhere using them. I suspect this is for good reason. Having a third party charge a small fee to facilitate a transaction is absolutely worth it. By the way, it's not like using the blockchain is free. Most blockchains have really high fees associated with transactions that happen on them. So smart contract proponents are basically advocating the idea that we should replace the fee traditionally spent on useful intermediaries with transaction fees on blockchains that are spent to maintain these useless records. And I say useless because it's hardly of any use to store and maintain mundane information like an Uber ride or an Airbnb reservation on a decentralized ledger forever, which is what these blockchains purport to do. Eventually, these blockchains are going to become so large and unwieldy and cost so much energy to run that they're basically going to become impossible to maintain. Elon Musk once envisioned a blockchain-based Twitter, but then decided against it, saying, blockchain Twitter is impossible. The bandwidth and latency requirements cannot be supported by a peer-to-peer network, unless those peers are absolutely gigantic thus defeating the purpose of a decentralized network. So the idea of smart contracts and blockchains and Web3, as they like to call it, is just not going to happen as has been envisioned thus far. Perhaps a later use case that makes sense is envisioned, but so far, I'm unconvinced. All you need to do to verify this is look around you and count how many people you know that have used a smart contract for anything ever. Exactly. Personally, I'm surprised no one has endeavored to put something like the Holy Qur'an on its own proof-of-work blockchain so it can be preserved there. That's a use case that makes a lot of sense to me. 
or perhaps the authenticated hadith with a robust consensus mechanism could also be placed on a blockchain. Instead, Muslim entrepreneurs are busy coming out with asinine tokens that have zero purposes other than to enrich the founders and waste time of the ummah with nonsense. Yeah, sure, your centralized scam token is going to empower Muslims everywhere. Speaking of things that don't make much sense, more than half of you are not subscribed yet. My dear respected brothers and sisters in Islam, people are mocking me for not having 50,000 subscribers yet. They see me in the street, they stop, they point, and they laugh. It's all because some of you have not yet subscribed, so please subscribe. Back to crypto and not-so-smart contracts. The bottom line is that they remain a solution in search of a problem. The second pillar of my crypto investing is that proof-of-stake is mostly for suckers. Proof-of-stake basically means control over the project belongs to the accounts with the most tokens, and the more tokens an account has, the more they will receive, and therefore, the greater their control will become over time. This leads to centralization. It is indeed inevitable in a proof-of-stake system. Therefore, tokens in a proof-of-stake system are basically like shares in a traditional centralized company. And in fact, the SEC recently told crypto exchange Coinbase, Binance, and others exactly this. Most of the cryptocurrencies that are being traded on Coinbase and other exchanges like it are actually securities and should be regulated as such. So buying a proof-of-stake token is the equivalent to buying shares in a public company except without the fiduciary responsibilities, audits, regulation, transparency, revenues, income, or any type of product traction. All you're really doing is throwing your money at something with a cool logo and story and hoping that sucker pumps. Maybe it will pump and maybe it won't. Your fate lies in the hands of whomever is controlling the project and I assure you they aren't looking out for you, they are looking out for themselves. Some have argued for the environmental friendliness of proof of stake compared to proof of work. But you know what would be the ultimate in environmental friendliness? If no one did any work at all, if we just all ceased to exist, then the environment would have a ball. It turns out some work is worth doing despite its environmental cost. And not doing some work is actually foolish, which is what I think proof of stake is guilty of. The third pillar of my crypto investing strategy is to trade around the money supply cycle. When it comes to timing the crypto cycle, there are only three things that you need to track. Number one is money supply, number two is money supply, and number three is money supply. When money is free and interest rates are low, crypto, all of crypto, regardless of how useless or useful, it all pumps at the same time, albeit at varying degrees. In fact, sometimes the more useless and scammy the coin, the more of a pump it can potentially have. Think safe move. Remember that? This is because when the money supply increases, people seek a store of value as inflation rises. The return from traditional assets like bonds drops, and crypto provides an investment alternative, and with more money at their disposal, individuals and institutions are willing to take riskier bets with their money, which includes buying crypto. On the other hand, when money is expensive, the opposite of these things happens, and the entire crypto market falls, causing a lot of the garbage cryptos to go to zero. Think Terra Luna. Analyzing price charts for a day or a week or even a month creates a lot of noise without much signal. A much better strategy is just to huddle, but this is not optimal. To predict what's going to happen with crypto, you need to understand the money supply cycle. If you don't want to go through the hassle of understanding the money supply cycle, then just dollar cost average and huddle. You'll still make out better than most doing otherwise, assuming your project doesn't go to zero.
If you understand the money supply cycle and what stage of it we're in, making reasonable adjustments to your crypto exposure based on this insight seems like the optimal approach. Now we know the three pillars of my crypto investing strategy. Number one, smart contracts are mostly dumb. Number two, proof of stake is mostly for suckers. And number three, trade around global liquidity by understanding the money supply cycle. Now let's talk individual positions. There are two cryptos which form the backbone of my crypto investment portfolio, and they are Bitcoin and Dogecoin. Maybe there are other winners out there, but I chose these two because I'm clear on their utility. Bitcoin can serve as digital gold because it has a limited supply, making it deflationary, which means it is designed to always go up in price. This makes it, at least in theory, a good spot to store your purchasing power and protect it from inflation. However, people don't like to let go of things that go up in price. I mean, ask yourself, when was the last time you bought anything with physical gold? The proper use of Bitcoin is to hoard it. Indeed, this is how it is mostly used. Dogecoin, for the most part, has the same exact code base as Bitcoin, with one main difference related to having a steady but decreasing inflation rate. It also has faster transaction times and lower transaction costs compared to Bitcoin. This makes it a better candidate to function as a currency. Both of these tokens are proof of work, which is something I like, meaning you have to actually mine them with electricity. You can't just park your tokens and watch them increase in number as you can do with proof of stake tokens. From an investor's perspective, if you look at market cap, Dogecoin is currently at around 10 billion in market cap with a trading volume of around 200 million in 24 hours. Bitcoin is at 500 billion market cap with a trading volume of about 12 billion in 24 hours, at least as of the date of making this video. So based on these numbers, Bitcoin is the more sturdier asset since it takes a lot more volume to move its price. So when things start to go south in the market, you want to be more in Bitcoin. When things are on the up and up, Dogecoin stands to appreciate more on a percentage basis. It's much easier for Dogecoin to do a 10x and reach 100 billion market cap than it is for Bitcoin to do a 10x and reach a $5 trillion market cap. Therefore, when I think that things are starting to bottom in the markets, I load up on Dogecoin. When I think the market is peaking, I move a bunch of my Doge into Bitcoin. And I continue with this pairs trading strategy to accumulate more of each token. Regardless of the market cycle, Dogecoin and Bitcoin will make up the backbone of my crypto portfolio until further notice. Follow my stocks and crypto trades move for move by becoming a PIF member. Like if you like, subscribe for more. Wassalam. Thank you for listening to the Practical Islamic Finance Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did enjoy it and would like to leave us a review, we would greatly appreciate it. Until next time, take care. Assalamu alaikum and peace be upon you all.